Hello and welcome. This is Erica Dutley, your host, and this is the Leveling Up in Lactation podcast. And it's a podcast where I highlight, amplify, and document the journeys of Black lactation professionals. And we have a new interview this week. And it sounds like the timing of this is coming full circle for my colleague because they just celebrated their first year anniversary in private practice. So without further ado, tune in to listen to Tiffany Dickerson. Tiffany Dickerson is a registered nurse in IVCLC located in Dallas, Texas with a background in NICU. Tiffany is proud to be a BIPOC lactation consultant to help provide ongoing infant feeding support. She is married to her amazing husband and is a mother of two. She strives to equip, empower, and instill competency in the family she serves. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Leveling Up and Lactation podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. You've been on my list to to get you in here to interview for a while. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and I thank you for having me. My pleasure. So if you're a listener of the podcast, you know, I always like to kind of take it back to kind of identify what was pre-lactation Tiffany doing? So for example, what did you want to be when you grew up? So at the end of high school, what was on the radar? Yeah, so pre-lactation Tiffany, it probably goes a little bit further than high school. In middle school, I for sure thought I was going to be a lawyer when I grew up, like just knew wholeheartedly. I know. I, I knew that I just wanted to be a lawyer. Um, but then things kind of transitioned when I did, um, you know, move through high school and um, we had this co-op program. So basically, as a senior in high school, um, half a day you could you go to class and then the other half a day you would do um, like a volunteer kind of program where you go mm-hmm. out and you get kind of get some insight into other fields that you might be interested into. And so lawyer wasn't on the list. <laughs> so um, I wind up picking healthcare and I wind up shadowing um, at a very prominent community hospital here in Dallas called Parkland. And um, so I worked alongside or I volunteered rather alongside um, some of the nurses in patient care technicians um, at Parkland Hospital and out in their community. And so um, I was following like a child life specialist and some of the nurses and physicians. And so when I got into that, I was like, oh, wow, I think pivot, major pivot point. I I wanted to get into healthcare. And that's when I transitioned. Got it. And so I'm curious with, with lawyer and then with healthcare, is there any type of like family that are in those professions? No, neither one. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting though, because my mom really wanted to be a nurse um, growing up. And I think just kind of, she had us earlier, you know, lifestyle, she wasn't able to really um, execute and carry that out. And so I do think that almost like that was a little a little passion ignited there that really made me kind of want to pursue that. And she kind of really encouraged me. So that was super helpful. Love it. And so you graduate high school, you start in on the healthcare track. Did you already know like the type of healthcare provider you wanted to be? 
I did. So um, I kind of felt like I wanted to become a registered nurse. And when I was working that, or volunteering rather, I mean, I was working, but I was volunteering. Um, I, I shadowed a couple of NICU nurses. And so um, I really just fell in love with with taking care of babies. And so like being in women's services has always had my heart since the very beginning. Um, and just seeing those babies grow and thrive, like that would just ignited a huge passion in me. And so um, I went through college, um, graduated from University of Texas at Arlington, got my my bachelor's in science and um, did an internship at a hospital um, in NICU. And that's how I became a NICU nurse. Got it. So I imagine working with babies, you're familiar with infant feeding and possibly kind of breastfeeding and different things like that. And so I'm assuming a lot of those skills translated well into the lactation profession. Share a little bit about that. Yes, definitely so. So definitely having the, you know, assessing like reflexes in newborns, assessing feeding difficulties, um, experiencing those, um, helping support with, I mean, we do do some breastfeeding. It's definitely was mm -hmm. not to the level of a, of a certified lactation profession, but definitely having, you know, we get some kind of training in, um, in, in supporting the families and moms with um, breastfeeding. So there definitely was some, some definitely overlaying of that kind of stuff. But honestly, I feel like nothing really prepared me for the extent um, <laughs> of, of really being a lactation profession. Like, yes, that was a good stepping stone, but there's so much more knowledge and expertise. Um, and there are things that I have to sometimes remind myself, like, okay, turn that NICU, that NICU mm. nurse brain off. And so I think that sometimes um, that's definitely needed. Got it. And that makes sense. That makes sense when the priority as far as like your role is different than that of when you're ideally just focused on lactation. So when did you learn that lactation was a profession? Were there like lactation consultants in the NICU? Was that something that was like a normal kind of like um, uh, role that you saw in that field? Yes. So we would have lactation consultants sometimes come into the NICU, but what really kind of pivoted and really pushed me into lactation was my own personal experience. So um, I have a five-year-old um, that was born prematurely at 27 weeks. Mm. So she was actually um, a twin and her, her brother lived for, for 10 days and then um, he passed away. But I'm so sorry. Oh, no, thank you. But just getting so much support, I was just blown away because when I, where I had her wasn't a NICU that I was currently practicing at and working mm -hmm. in. Um, and so just getting so much support from the lactation consultants there um, with, you know, establishing pumping. I mean, when I was in the labor and delivery room, the labor and delivery nurses were doing hand expression because I had wow. a cesarean and they, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so blown away, like by <laughs> how, you know, how how important it was and how much they prioritized that. And then, um, you know, kind of once I got settled in my room, I initiated early pumping, a lactation provider came to see me. They gave me some information on um, some options for pumps that would be beneficial for a NICU mom. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted to, to breastfeed. Um, I knew that it would probably look a little different um, with having an infant in the NICU. Um, and so kind of really like that transition of like a NICU nurse to being a NICU mom, I yeah. really had a much different perspective um, on the implications of 
breastfeeding and lactation and how it is so important to have that ongoing support. Um, and so, you know, as she got prepared, finally around three months to come home, um, we realized and the providers realized that she was, she kind of breastfed better than she bottle fed. And so mm-hmm. the lactation consultants were so supportive of that. And so, um, you know, they did weighted feedings to, to really support that. And then um, as we transitioned out of the NICU, um, as crazy as it sounds, as being a nurse, because she was born so early, we qualified for a lot of programs, right? And so mm-hmm. um, we qualified for WIC because of her early birth weight and, and how small she was um, when she was born. And that was fundamental for me when we went home because the WIC um, IBCLC that um, at the Lactation Care Center was um, able to provide me ongoing support. And so I would come yeah. in, they would do weighted feedings, they make sure she was gri- growing, thriving, all the things. Um, and so <clears> just <throat> kind of that, that fundamental ongoing support really pushed me in like, you know what, this is needed more. Um, and so as we know, there's definitely a shortage in our field, right? Yes. Um, and so that just kind of pushed me into it. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned a lot of great things. So the first thing I want to kind of like, tag back to is you had a great personal breastfeeding experience with lactation providers in the NICU, in the hospital. You also seem to have this seamless kind of transition and this handoff from inpatient to outpatient, which is how it should be, right? right? It shouldn't be where the mom or the parent is trying to identify, okay, I'm outside of my comfort zone here. What's the next step? What's available? What you know options do I have? And so that's a great point with having um, WIC and the value of of people that work at WIC, speaking as a breastfeeding peer counselor for WIC um, a few years ago. It's every part of the lactation kind of like pyramid, if you will, Mm -hmm. has its place and has Mm -hmm. value. And there's a lot of different kind of variables that you get to experience with working with WIC as a peer counselor as an IBCLC, because you're seeing a wide range of a demographic. I think we have this one very limited view on what a WIC mom or parent looks like. Right. I feel right. right? But it can, for where I'm at, I'm up in Indiana and we had a lot of um, moms who their spouses work for Notre Dame and professors, they weren't making a lot of money. And so they qualified and they were very, uh, they they bought in and they really wanted to have that layer of support. We also had, you know, a variety of moms. So if you're looking for an opportunity mm-hmm. um, to get those lactation specific hours, you can get a wide range of variety working for WIC. So I'm always Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Huge shout out to WIC. Like that was definitely fundamental in our breastfeeding journey um, for sure. Love it. And the other thing that you mentioned is how it shaped you from, you had experience working in the NICU from that side or that lens Mm -hmm. of the experience, but I imagine that that may have like kind of shifted um, how you did your role, not, you know, the clinical things, but just kind of having a little bit more insight for those moms in the NICU and different things like that. I imagine that um, translated to improve the, the type of care you're providing to those parents after experiencing it. Oh my gosh, it was definitely a game changer. So um, I still work in the NICU once a month just because I 
I feel like it's so needed. And I definitely piggyback my lactation skills when I'm there. But they will, like, my peers and my my coworkers, they know. Like, Tiffany is the most laid back. <laughs> like, they call me the, la- the laid back NICU nurse. And so it's like, Love it's it. truly their baby. Like, if someone needs help with breastfeeding, they always come and grab me. And I'm like, absolutely, let me help them. And, and it really... Um, it really allowed me to change my perspective. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when I did enter back into NICU, you know, and having that lactation experience and having my IBCLC and my lactation consultant certification, I very, it was a very pivotal moment. And so um, I started to really um, advocate, you know, and encourage these moms to advocate for their journey, especially when, um, breastfeeding is not always like the first line in the NICU, you know, it's mm-hmm. bottles are, are pushed really hard. Um, and so I started to really encourage my parents to advocate and, and help instill options in them that they may not know are available. Like, yes, you can ask and you can, re- you can request from the physician that you start that the first um, feeding be at the breast versus a bottle. Yeah. If you have a baby that's full term, you can, you can let them know that you really want to prioritize breastfeeding and you have a right to come down here at every single feeding and put your baby to the breast if you feel up to that. Um, And so just really serving as advocate and giving them that support that they really deserve because, um, you know, for a lot of NICU providers that work in the NICU, like breastfeeding is scary to them. We get, Mm. you know, some training, but it's not anywhere to the magnitude, um, even in breastfeeding, breastfeeding friendly hospitals. It's not anywhere to the magnitude um, that we receive as lactation professionals. And so um, just kind of being a stepping stone and like being that extra resource when I am in the NICU and my colleagues will often grab me like, Hey, I will, you know, do all your cares on your other patients. If you will just go help the mom with breastfeeding. And so I enjoy that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so I'm curious when you fell in love with lactation. So was that through breastfeeding your your daughter? Was that through learning about more in depth about, you know, hand expression or, or what was that pivotal moment for you? It was absolutely my, my breastfeeding experience with my, um, with my five-year-old. Um, although it was a very, um, a very challenging experience at times because it was, it was combination. We were nursing, we were, I was pumping. Um, I went on to nurse her for 15 months. Um, but that's definitely when I fell in love with it. And I just felt like more, um, nursing parents really needed and deserved that support. And that's what really helped me pivot and kind of seek out my, um, certification was shortly after that. Okay. And so give us just a rough kind of like timeline on what that looked like for you learning about the field, um, kind of what was the pathway and which one you selected? Sure. Absolutely. So had my daughter 2018, legit. I was still like (laughs) off work. I was actually off work with her for six months, started getting Absolutely. Started getting, you know, books and studying and researching and choosing the pathways. So, um, you know, as a registered nurse, I did choose pathway one mm-hmm. um, because having worked in women's services, um, I was able to, you know, use utilize a lot of those hours that I had already spent in the field. Um, but I would say, you know, if I could do it all over again, I probably would not have chose pathway one. Agreed. Yeah, tell us why. So I I really think that I would have done pathway three. Um, mm-hmm. I think that pathway one is is great. Like, you know, it's very easy to utilize your hours um, as an existing women's service provider. But I think that there can be shortcomings with that. And so 
I really feel like if I had I gone pathway three, I would have really um, shadowed a mentor a lot more. And I think that that would have been very impactful um, early on. Got it. And so was being an IBCLC like the the overall objective? Did you ever consider kind of adding in like a, another lactation professional credential such as a CBS and kind of hover there with your NICU um, experience? What did, what did that decision making look like? No, it was, yes, IBCLC was always an objective for me. Um, and like I said, because I was able to go through pathway one and I had, you know, all my sciences, I had all those things from my bachelor's of um of a science of nursing degree, that was definitely always the objective and the goal for me. Got it. And so being on the other side, after you have those credentials, you're going back into the hospital. Did you mm -hmm. feel any different? What did that, what did that feel like on the other side? Right. So I went back into NICU for maybe, I think I was only in NICU for maybe two or three months, honestly. Mm. And in 2019, I took my boards and obtained my certification. And I want to say by, Gosh, I think it was like October. It was right around the pandemic. So I believe like around October of 2019, I had already acquired a um, lactation consultant position in a hospital. Got it. Okay. Okay. And so we know that this time of year, people are applying to sit for the fall exam. Mm -hmm. They've already applied. They're studying. What would be a suggestion or words of wisdom to those people preparing? Absolutely. I would say get out in the community network and get some good mentors because that really is fundamental for your IB for any, not just IBCLC, but any lactation professional um, journey. And, and I really feel like you'll be able to not only like studying is great and getting all, you know, the didactic that you need, but also mm -hmm. like shadowing and talking and working amongst other birth workers. So even just, yes, lactation consultants, but being around other birth workers, I think really also is, is a great adjunct to help you prepare for the exam. I was going to say, that's a great point is to not just kind of get stuck in a room, looking at a book, looking at a mm -hmm. screen and just kind of lock away because a lot of what you need on the other side of the exam is being able to network and build community and fill gaps and different things like that. So you need to balance that. And then I'm curious on for other um, like RNs and like nurses that are planning to kind of sit this fall, how would you compare the ABLC exam to the NCLEX, for example? Okay, that is a great question. <laughs> Listen, when I took this ABLC exam, I felt like I was taking my nursing exam on steroids. So, um, <laughs> yes, I... And I mean, the, the, there are things that I, could, I definitely could play off of, like, you know, the way they ask the questions for your for your NCLEX exam. It's not really. Um, it's just very in the best case scenario. What would you do? You know, so, the, you know, you have right. to answer the questions, not really always what you do in practice. But I feel like with the with the I feel like with the IBCLC exam, you it really is what you clinically would do. And so um, just kind of changing the mindset and really being able to um, to kind of look at something and really kind of read the room and see the perspective and be able to um, to answer the questions accordingly. And it was a lot of pictures, right? So that's very yeah. different than the NCLEX exam. We don't have pictures. It's just all words. And gotcha. so really kind of being able to look at a picture and play detective and figure out what they're asking. Gotcha. Do you, did you feel like having like that additional kind of like license as a, an RN and a NICU nurse 
you had to kind of put that away so that way it wasn't influencing how you made the decision for the LLC exam? Absolutely. You have to completely <laughs> take that NICU cap or that nurse cap and just turn it off. Gotcha. I think that's great wisdom for those of you yes, listening. I am not off. a nurse, but you are not a yeah. nurse. You are a lactation <laughs> consultant, an aspiring lactation consultant that day, and you are absolutely not a nurse at all. So do not answer those questions um, at all. And then I think, you know, even I will say one thing that was a common between the NCLEX exam and the IBCLC exam is scope of practice, right? Because mm. as a nurse, we can't prescribe medications, right? And so really just knowing to stay in your lane of your scope of practice and not deviating from that. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so you mentioned working in the hospital, but I also know that you work in private practice. So fill us in on the different settings that you've worked with in the field? And then maybe what are a couple of pros and cons for those respective patients or those respective settings? Sure. So um, when I first acquired my exam, I always had the goal to enter private practice. Like that was like my five-year goal, right? So mm. um, I entered and I said, you know, I'm just going to kind of get some experience in the hospital. And then once I get that experience, um, then I will try to go into private practice. Well, you know, mom life and work life mm -hmm. and all the things. So I feel like there was a little bit of a delay really entering that private practice setting. Um, but I would say there definitely are <clears throat> pros and cons with both. Um, so working in a hospital setting, um, I feel like the pros are that you do see a high volume, right? And so you definitely see, you do definitely get a lot of experience in terms of volume. Um, I would say that especially since COVID, you know, that there's a very high turnover now. So that just means that like, I mean, that the patients are coming in um, and vaginal deliveries, for example, are there and they're leaving within 24 hours, right? right. Whereas before we would see them for a day or two. Um, so now there's just a very fast, very rapid turnover and even cesarean deliveries. Um, they would be there for minimum three, maybe four days. And now they're like leaving at and at 48 hours, like right yeah. at 48 hours. And so um, while there are sometimes complex issues that happen, we don't always get to see them that first day or two. If we, you know, if we see them, we meet them, we're doing new education with them, helping them and supporting them with initial um, latching issues, pain, working through those things. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone in 24 hours. There is, that's not sufficient. Like that's just, yeah. that's not enough. That's a lot for that that mom, that patient to digest. Mm -hmm. It is. And <laughs> in so, that short period. Yeah. So I would definitely say that that's maybe a con um, of being in a hospital setting. It's just a limited amount of time that we have with them. Like sometimes we know when you see things and you're like, yeah, but I just don't have enough time. And so that's where community and that's where private practice lactation support really comes into play because um, we need to be able to connect these moms and we need to be able to give resources to these nursing parents, um, you know, upon their discharge that, hey, you, if you run into issues when you go home, here are some great resources in the community that will allow you to continue to receive adequate breastfeeding support. Um, and it. so I would say that that's definitely a pro, right, of, yeah. of private practice is that you're able to spend more time, one-on-one -on -one time. Sometimes we're meeting them in their homes. That's in a more intimate setting. We're able to work with the devices and the things that they're going to be utilizing in their home setting. Mm -hmm. um, we 
typically I would say in private practice, because a lot of us are out in the field, a lot of us do um, a lot more continued education, right? Things are, are constantly changing and evolving. And I feel like um, in the private practice world, tons of us are, you know, there are a lot of us that um, have good rapport with each other. And we are, you know, we talk about conferences we're going to be attending and continuing education opportunities. And then we utilize that and we use those to best support um, the clients that we serve. And so I would definitely say that that's a pro about um, having a private practice lactation consultant. Yeah. And so share with me a little bit of experience or insight on coming from basically really working in the hospital, that inpatient care, and then the diversity of like the age ranges and the type of chief complaints that you're getting in the private practice. Did you feel kind of prepared, excited, unsure? What was kind of like your, your temperament was stepping more into that? <laughs> so yeah, it was, <laughs> it's definitely, um, it's definitely different. I think in, you know, definitely in private practice, we tend to see more complex cases, like it's beyond the latch, right? There's yeah. more than just the latch. And so um, there are, I, I think there are more common um, issues that arise that we see in private practice. Um, and so really being able to navigate those and play detective and, you know, kind of break those down. Okay. Um, this is what's going on. And then, you know, seeing them at, we don't just see them at the first, you know, within the first couple of days, there are so many more issues. We see them when they're going through engorgement, which we don't usually see in the, in the hospital mm. setting. Um, so just kind of, sometimes that's huge for parents with navigating that. And then we see them um, after two weeks, we see them, you know, when they introduce solids and there's just a, a lot of closeness that's needed those first couple of months to really mm -hmm. help them be successful at times. Got it. And so for those people that are babysitting, maybe they're new IBCLCs, or maybe they've been in private practice and they're like, yeah, I'm over it. I want to go work inpatient. What would be some considerations that you would give to those people that want to kind of work in an inpatient setting for them to thrive? Because often either they may have not have had a great personal experience in the inpatient setting, or they just kind of hear um, negative feedback. What would be some, some guidance you would give them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, there is definitely a connotation that hospital lactation consultants sometimes get a bad rap, rap right? We mm -hmm. see things on, on social media about it. Um, and so I would say to be a really supportive inpatient, take the time to try to go in the room and spend with your patient. Like, yes, you have a lot of patients to see. You will have a much higher volume to see. For example, on a busy floor, you can have 20 patients to see in 12 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 20 that, that's just that's on a good day and some facilities will have multiple wow. lactation consultants um but there there will be a much higher volume and so i would say really prioritizing you know who needs that probably additional and who desires that additional one-on-one -on -one time um so you really have to kind of prioritize. If you have a first-time mom, that you know that's definitely um, someone that you want to take that time with and really do a lot more one-on-one. -on -one. Or if you've had a mom that's feeding, um, and this are not even her first baby, but her first time breastfeeding. If you have somebody that has, you know, a late preterm infant, if you're working with a NICU mom, really giving her the information about the importance of frequent milk removal um, and doing phalange fittings and taking those skills that you've probably utilized a lot more in a private practice setting and utilizing those or applying those in the inpatient setting. 
Yeah, and I think you touched on, I think the big thing that's going to really work well is that time management piece is if you have, I don't know, I'm just throwing numbers out here, three minutes in with a, a pet to spend specifically on breastfeeding, and then you need to do your, your other kind of duties in that role, what information are you going to provide? How are you going to make an impression, exactly. right? So that way they have something to kind of like carry over, carry them over into the next exchange if that's possible. Um, but I think that's great information for those that are wanting to kind of step, step their toe into the inpatient setting and how to kind of like balance expectations of what the reality is. Yeah. And then I would definitely say like networking and giving them some resources because you, you there, there are limitations there, there, there are limitations in the inpatient setting. You know that you're just going to see them briefly, but really giving them those resources of if they run into issues or if they need further support in the community, really giving them those resources to, to, to reach out. Yeah. And that's a great plug for people that are working uh, like myself outpatient is if you're not on that resource list <laughs> for your <laughs> hospitals, your health systems, make a call, drop in, send an email to see how you can get at it. So that way you're one of the options on the outpatient setting. Yes. And so I'm curious, you've been in this field, you're coming up, I believe on a research, your first research next year, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling about that? Well, I've done a lot of hours because I love growing and, and learning. And so I feel like I definitely have all my hours, um, mm -hmm. but I'm excited. I'm excited to be at a pivotal five-year point. I'm actually, yeah. you know, kind of meeting my goal of launching into private practice. Um, and so I feel good about it. I'm, I'm um, not excited for all the potential paperwork, but I feel, <laughs> right. I feel really good about having been in this field for five years and I'm just looking forward to growing and thriving more. Gotcha. And I saw I bring that up because like the five year point in my head is like, okay, this is kind of like a breather point. Let me mm -hmm. reassess. You know, you're a little bit more settled, a little bit more, you know, comfortable in the space. With that in mind, what's a if you're comfortable sharing, what's a big audacious dream in regards to the field that you have? So I would say um definitely my next goal will kind of be per from a personal standpoint in my private practice is taking it to the next step with getting my own office. Um, yes. But really for our profession more so is to maybe one day be considered and enable an ability to be considered like as practitioners and, and providers. Right. And so IBCLC yes. is equivalent to in my world and nursing, like a nurse practitioner and we're able to, um, kind of practice a little bit with I guess with a little bit more um authority is the authority. word that comes to mind yeah yes yes <laughs> yes. yes and then when, that would be great I agree I agree we we want these letters that we work hard for we invest in we do continuing education for to carry some weight and in some rooms it really doesn't and that's really right. unfortunate because we know so much about so much within the field of infant feeding and so hopefully our peers in the healthcare setting will find a way to be able to inch our way in to, to you know have a little bit of authority and for them to respect that and to acknowledge it would be great <laughs> yes absolutely Okay, so share with me a resource. This can be like a website or a webinar or um, conference that has been invaluable on your journey. So I am definitely team Annie Frisbee and I love all her things. Um, so Shout out she, to Annie. Yes, the toolkit. Oh my <laughs> gosh, the toolkit is pivotal. It is like so amazing. 
So definitely shout out to Annie for the um, the toolkit. That has been huge for my private practice, but even utilized that before I even navigated the private practice um, uh, journey. And so I think that would be one of my best resources. And then um, I utilize some LER things. I, I think they have great handouts for patients and families that we're able to share with. Um, yes. And then I would say probably next would be Gold Lactation. I've done one of their conferences. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I love it. And shout out to Annie. Um, she's friend of the pot. Um, I'll put all the information for the toolkit as well as the LER handouts. I feel like I use those probably with every single parent if I'm doing like a care plan because there's one yes. for something that's going to be applicable. And yes. they're so great. One pager, PDF, easy access, free. <laughs> Yes. So if you're looking to kind of build out your resource list, add that to the list. And then gold, I don't think I've been to a conference, but I know I've tap, tapped into some of their um, webinars. And usually around Breastfeeding Awareness Month, which is next month, we're recording this in July, they have some free ones that I believe, I always feel like I'm going to mispronounce her name. I apologize in advance. Janaya has a free okay. one that's going to be for, um, for August. So I'll include that information in the show notes as well. Oh, yeah, this. that's awesome. Yeah, I, so, I enjoyed the gold. Go for it. it was good. It was definitely good. I hear I hear good things about it. And of course, we have like a lot of colleagues that are presented for them. So that's usually what I'm looking for. Who do I know? Who's black? Who's presenting? What's the topic? <laughs> Let me see if I have some coins to join. Yeah. It was awesome. And so I'm curious on what's the fuel that kind of keeps you going on more challenging days, like to keep your momentum up, because we know that it can kind of like do this wide range swinging between one consult to the other. So what's the fuel that keeps you going? I think just thinking about those journeys that, you know, you've been so impactful and that probably without you guiding them along the way, their journey could have gone a lot different. Um, And so that just gives me like, okay, Tiffany, here you go. Here's your ammunition to keep going. Love it. Love that word ammunition. And it's something where um, you can make your own kind of highlight reel of feedback that you get from moms and parents. And so you can have that. You don't have to post it, but you can simply have like a Google sheet or something that when you're like, man, I'm ready to tap out. I don't want to keep doing this. You can go and read um, those different impacts that you made um, just to kind of refuel yourself. I do that often. Love that. So with five years nearly in, is there anything in hindsight you wish you can go back and redo? You all already mentioned the change in pathway um, consideration, but is there anything else? Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I actually had the opportunity to probably launch into private practice a couple years back. And mm. I think that I was just honestly got kind of comfortable um, where I yeah. was at in the inpatient setting because, you know, you have, you know, you're going to work these days, you have. Uh, it's very structured. Like you have, you know, you're going to work these 12 hours when you leave, that's it, you're done. And so initially the private practice world just seemed very overwhelming um, to me. And and some days I still feel like that, like, please, I am definitely, you know, definitely had those days where I feel like that. But um, so I think that I would have done it sooner, to be honestly, like I had some really good mentors, Courtney Polk, um, one of them. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that I kind of would have, taken that leap of faith and jumped sooner um, instead of feeling so afraid, you know? And so um, if I could have done something different, I probably would have really utilized that opportunity to jump into private practice um, a lot sooner. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's something about when you have an option that is comfortable, it's mm-hmm. routine, it can make it more challenging to step into the big overarching goal, which for a lot of us is private practice and kind of having that autonomy um, for various reasons. And so I completely agree with that. So if you are listening and you're like on the fence, I'll wait another year. Just I'll wait for it. this. I have to have, just do it. Just, just start. do it. It's not going to look the same when you start it three months from now, three years from now, but you have to start. <laughs> right. And really, I think the fundamental thing is like getting great mentors. And so yes. I kind of did things a little <laughs> a different, <laughs> like I want to almost say like the in a roundabout circle. And so I launched yeah. a new hospital setting first and then um, sought out private practice, sought out mentors along my private practice journey. So shout out to mm-hmm. Denise. Um, she's an awesome mentor that I've um, worked alongside this journey in private practice. And so, yep. um, so I kind of doubled back a little bit and then had those mentors and even my um, WIC counselor or IBCLC that supported me we later outside of our once that journey was over with with my daughter we studied together for the exam I still have you know utilize her as a resource um to this day and so I kind of double backed like I said and really sought out those mentors that I felt like would allow me to um to to feel you know good about launching into private practice love it and I love that you mentioned a couple of times in the interview excuse me, mentors, but not in like the quote unquote traditional context of like a pathway three, Mm -hmm. but getting somebody that's been in it, that's doing the thing that you want to do, that maybe has some um, foresight on kind of what's ahead of you. You can still do that, even if you take a different pathway, even if you take pathway three, because the mentor for that setting may be different than what you need for what your goal is. Because sometimes our mentors are specific and their knowledge base or their area of expertise within the field is inpatient or only outpatient. And so if you're wanting to do the opposite of that, you may need to seek somebody separate to get the value um, that they can bring to the table. So I love that you mentioned that. Yes, absolutely. And shout out to both Courtney. And I want to say you're talking about Tanise Horge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For another pod, we interviewed her as well and Courtney. So I'll put those links down in the show notes. Um, So with you being in the profession this long, I'm curious if there was any challenge um, that you did not foresee until you got behind the curtain. Yes, I would say um, being your own boss. <laughs> and being your own boss, like it's, it's a pro and a con, like you're your own boss. Um, yeah. And so you just kind of so with, with like when private practice setting, there's like the lactation consultant, right? And you're in the field and you're seeing clients and you're, you know, supporting them. And then there's like the business side of things to run your private practice. And so um, it's a, that's a beast. Like that Ooh. business side, I'm, I come from a nursing background. Like there is not a <laughs> bachelor's of, you know, business in me. And so um, really kind of navigating some of those business challenges, I would say, or obstacles that sometimes times we face um, is something that I didn't really foresee the magnitude of necessarily in yeah. practice, but I am, I am definitely um, navigating them and utilizing things like the toolkit to help me yes. um, by some other professionals that are a little more business savvy than me. Um, but yeah, and hiring out, right. Sourcing out yes. things that we're not great at. And so I recently was able to um, hire a virtual administrator and that has been a game changer for me. Okay. So yeah, so that's what I, that's how I kind of, 
um, to kind of, I guess, work alongside some of those challenges. Yeah, and I think that's great insight for people that maybe they're waiting to sit for the exam or maybe they're waiting on results. So in a few months, they're waiting on those results. What am I supposed to be doing? If you plan on being in private practice, those are things you can start to identify and learn, get comfortable with, or identify the people that you're going to outsource those responsibilities to. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just, you know, we see like the logo and the website and the services and the links, but it's like behind the scenes, there's a lot of real life stuff that you have to have in order so you want to get familiar with that sooner rather than later <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so on the flip side of that what has been um, a joy or some joys in the profession that you didn't anticipate until getting in it um i would say like the joy for me is i really love learning and and growing and so just really um seeing that the growth and in, in the involvement and like almost I'm coming up on my one year anniversary of launching my private practice. And yeah. so um, it's just very joyous to kind of look back and be like, Oh, you've, you've grown and you've, you're doing so things, so many things that, um, you know, you're, you're the, the, the level of comfort um, and the level of experience that I'm gaining is just, it's just exponential. And so I really find a lot of joy in that. Um, but so, yeah, I would say that. Um, I love that because sometimes we're just so in the the motion of just doing something that we don't kind of stop to identify all the stuff that we've been working on. And so if you start today, i.e. those listening, <laughs> and you can look back a year from now, it may not be to the magnitude that you are wanting, but you'll be farther along by comparison to if you don't start. Right. And then also that's the reason why I do this podcast because sometimes we're like, okay, we did all these different things that we don't kind of stop to say it out loud for it mm-hmm. to really resonate with all the wonderful things you all have been doing. Absolutely. And so my final question for this part of the interview is for someone who's inspired by listening to your story, what would be a suggestion for them getting started specifically in the field of lactation? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, LER has some great um, sessions kind of on how to get started. I think they should definitely start there and then kind of start to just network, right? And get out in the field and Mm -hmm. meet other fellow um, birth workers and other lactation professionals. If there's any um, organizations in your area, like for instance, here in Dallas, we have um, the Dallas Lactation um, Consultants Association and we meet up, we have virtual meetings and in-person meetings like once a month. That's a great way to start, like aligning yourself with other professionals that are in your field because it's very easy to, you know, to be able to network and then lean on them when you have questions um, that may arise and to, you know, get those that knowledge from from experts, right? And then um, I would also say um, something else that I would do would be seeking out mentors as I know I've mentioned it a couple times already but that's mm-hmm. important so whether you're looking to see like hey are there some private practice lactations in my field in my area that I you know want to try to set up a meet and greet with um, are there any birth work events that I want to you know attend um, I think that's a good stepping stone and a good starting place because um, they can definitely give you insight and personal experience of things that they may have struggled with or things that were super helpful for them starting that pathway. Love it. Great advice. And, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel here, right? There's a no. lot of things that we there already have knowledge about. Out there. Exactly. You just have to take the step to ask and put yourself out there, which can, can be challenging admittedly for, for some of us, right? But taking the first step 
And you never know how that's going to ripple into the future because people will call back to being like, oh, I remember Tiffany. I remember Erica. She does this. Let me reach out to see uh, what connections we can form. So take the first step, reach out to your local community or people that are within it and see, you know, where you can get started. Yeah. And I think also just researching the different credentials because you may start out as a CBS or you might just say like, mm-hmm. you know what, I just want to go straight to the IBCLC. So really learning what those different credentials mean. Like what is the IBCLC? What's the difference between that and a CLC? What's a CBS? Mm-hmm. What's a, what's a um, certified lactation educator? Like what are those, what are those different, what are those different um, alpha letters mean? Like what, what are those, what are those credentials mean? And so really researching that so that you can make sure um, and save yourself some time. And it may seem like, Oh, well, lactation, Ooh, yes. IBCLC, just seems really overwhelming and instead of you know going into one role and then eventually transferring over you might be able to just go hard and just go ahead and go for it like just Mm -hmm. go for it so yeah yeah definitely write things out because you may be further along or closer to your goal than you realize sometimes if it's stuck in our head and we're like well I need this I need this and like this then you actually write it out you're like oh I guess I only need two of those things. <laughs> right, exactly. You can save yourself time. Yeah. All right. So yeah. we are going to mosey on over into the letdown segment okay. um, of our show. So this is going to be yes, no, short answer questions. Are you okay. ready? All right. So the first question is, if you knew being a lactation professional was a career option before you had your children, do you think you would have been drawn to it? Yes. Do you feel your journey has been worth it thus far? Absolutely, yes. Do you feel becoming specifically an IBCLC was necessary to do the things you wanted to accomplish? Yes. And it's a difficult one. If you could switch places with any lactation professional for one day, who would it be? I would say a peer counselor. Love it. And the last question is, what is one word you would use to describe your journey? Hmm. Evolving. Love it. Love it. You guys are creative with these words. I haven't had any repeats yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. Please let us know where we can stay connected, your website, social medias, any type of contact email you want to share. Sure. So I am more prominent on Instagram. I will definitely own that. Um, so my Instagram <laughs> name is Breast Choice Lactation, just how it's spelled out. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Sometimes you get some personal me and sometimes you're getting more of the lactation uh, world information mm-hmm. and me sharing helpful things on there. Um, so that's where you can find me. And then my website is um, www the breast choice ls.com love it i will have all that information down in the show notes as well as on our website at levelingupandlactation.com and we'll see you all in the next one all right thank you for having me thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the leveling up and lactation podcast three ways you can support this show Follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. It takes three seconds. You guys can scroll on up and do that now if you're not following us already. You can share this podcast with your network on social media and newsletters and texts. This may be the pivotal moment that people are needing to give them that push to continue on in this field. And third, you can leave us a review. 
please be very candid, be honest, so people get a sense of what the podcast is about, what, if any value it brought to your life and to your journey. People want to hear that. And then learn more ways to support and read more about all of our past guests at levelingupinlactation.com. Remember, as you work with families or if you're considering joining the field of lactation, it does not matter if your words are evidence-based, if your bedside manner is trash. Let's continue to level up. Until next time.